0: Good morning. morning. It's nice to see you all here this morning. Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together today. We invite in the Holy Spirit that we may, our hearts may be open and that we may hear your word and understand it more, that which, as you would have us live, as your Son has taught us. So, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's worship our
1: Lord. Good morning. The problem of suffering. I have kept his way and not turned aside. Job 23:11. Some scholars think that Job may be the oldest book in the Bible. Whether that's true or not, it certainly deals with one of humanity's oldest questions. Why does God allow suffering? Isn't it? It's not an easy issue because it goes right to the deepest questions about God. After all, the argument runs, how could a loving and gracious God allow suffering? To put it another way, if God lets us suffer, he must not love us. But the conclusion is false. God does love us. And the proof is in the suffering that he allowed his son to endure on the cross. What then is the answer to that age-old question? The key is the understanding of the character of God. That is what Job discovered. No, God never gave him a logical, complete answer for his suffering. But through his experience, he came to realize that God could be trusted because he is merciful and loving. And you can also trust him too. Not because he gives us everything to our answers, but simply because he is God. The hope for today, during a trial, it is tempting to ask, why are we suffering? The answer doesn't always um, present itself, but the answer lies in who he is in the midst of our pain.
2: If you'd like to stand and join us, get all excited.
3: Get all excited, go Tell everybody
2: that Jesus Christ is King Get all excited, go of the Lord.
3: in your holy hill. So the psalmist begins with a question. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a violent person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put money, put out his money to usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does, does all, this is the outcome of that, that. He who does these things shall never be moved. May we never be moved. And Psalm thirty one thirty nine twenty three 23 and 24, search me, O God. And know my heart, try me, try me and know my anxieties. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Our
2: Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we would regret our debtors. We'll no, we do not want you to do the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For now is the kingdom, and the
4: power, and the glory of forever.
0: Our New Testament reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember... He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, giving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the examples of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We have a responsive reading. Almighty God, you granted Solomon's request for an understanding mind and the knowledge to discern good from evil. Fill us with such understanding and knowledge that we may act as instruments of your loving desire for creation, working with you to transform conceit into concern for others, our fear into love, our violence into peace brokenness into wholeness. Amen. Amen. Too bad Robert wasn't here, given we were working in Proverbs and and Solomon. Yeah, going right along with the being a Sunday school. (laughs) Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, the gift you gave of your Son, the gift that he could take all our sins, All those that had happened before and all those that would ever happen after and he could take them and and die on the cross that we may be forgiven Lord what a what a beautiful gift you have given us And, and you entrust things to us Lord and you asked us to give back you asked us to share with others so the gifts that we have given today we ask that they be used the way you would have them be used, that you guide us, that you let us know what it is you would have us do and how we you need us to fit in your family of God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Uh, before we get underway, I, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned about uh, appreciating the piano, and I just want to uh, give my note of appreciation for Rick and all that he does uh, with the music. I mean, he, you know, he puts in a lot, a lot of work every single week, and and uh, let's just give him a round of applause for. <laughs> yeah. well okay I don't think we stole it I think we added to it maybe we'll put it that way well um, we're doing a series and we're we're taking a step back in the sense of we've been talking a whole lot about us as individuals and you know our relationship with the Lord and how we can enhance our relationship with the Lord and all that kind of stuff but I'm I'm kind of pulling back a bit and saying okay how do we function in a godly manner as a church and what are the purposes of us as you know collectively Um, and that doesn't you know certainly all of us individually we are serving the lord and we as a corporate body are enhanced as every person seeks the lord and grows in christ but we also have to look at the at the corporate sense of who we are as a church. And talk about, um, you know, why are we here? What are we doing as as a body of Christ? Um, And what has, and and with that, you always start with, what does God want the church to be? What, you know, what has he called us to be as a church? What are the purposes in scripture for a church? And we've talked about glorifying God through worship. Uh, That was our first. We we talked about being a disciple, maturing in Christ. And we talked about making disciples. But today I want to talk about us together um, in what we could call body ministry. All of us ministering one to another. And we are together, we are building each other up. And as each one of us, is stronger in Christ, we as a corporate body are stronger in Christ. And so that's what we want to look at. And God established the church, and he establishes how a church is to be run and what a church is for. And our job is to discover God's purposes and his methods for how to build his church. So the starting place is, this is not our church. Um, and this doesn't belong to the, you know, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. This is God's church. God established a church. It was his idea in the first place to bring people together to grow in him. And so, you know, everything we do, we go back to what does God want? And so we've been working on a vision statement. Um, and it's important not just that we know in general what we are called to do, but in particular uniquely as a congregation, what has God called us to do? And that's, that's what we're trying to discover. Um, and we're not gonna get that from talking about it. We're gonna get it uh, from God. God. God establishes his church and God has established this particular body for particular purposes. And so what we're trying to do is to discover what does God want us as a church to be and to do and so you know there's a whole you know there's all kinds of things that we're called to do in scripture and yes we are to be doing all those things but uniquely God has called this particular body to a particular mission and so that's what we're trying to you know on our knees, get before the Lord and say, God, what is our particular mission as a church? What have you called us to do? Um, And the really effective church is the one that discovers God's purpose for the congregation. And just like in businesses, you know, there's been a lot of this in businesses uh, uh, that businesses will find out what God has called them to do and do it really well. And I think it's the same kind of thing for the church. Now, we don't get that from a, a board of directors or something like that. We get that from Christ. Uh, he speaks to us what our particular niche is, what he's called us to do. And so it's discovering what that niche is and then doing it really, really well. That's what he's called us to do. And the, um, one of those things, I believe, is... In Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. I'll read it to you. But before we do that, can can one of you pray for us, pray for all of us that we will hear from God? Any? We have a volunteer out here. Amen. Ephesians four uh, eleven through sixteen. It was he who again. And by the way, I I believe that this particular passage is the passage that kind of says here's how a church runs. Here's here's what you do. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. That's where I fall, pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I'm going to repeat something that I've I've told you before, but I I you know, I God just keeps kind of giving this this to me, and that is that our goal at Desert Gardens is not to become a big church. Okay? Our goal is to become a really effective dynamic small church. Now, that doesn't mean we, you know, if growth happens, then okay, well, Lord, that's not where we're going. But what we're saying is, let's concentrate on being a really, really good small church. And if we do that, well, maybe God will, will send others to us, so that's fine. But let's be the very best that we can be with exactly who we are in exactly the circumstances that we're in. You know, instead of saying, well, you know, down the road, do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. Instead, let's just say, well, okay, let's be really good at what we do right now. Maximally effective at, at you know, with this group of people, us, together. So the goal, um, as it says in this scripture, is um, verse 13, until, and I'm going to kind of skip down to verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then verses 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that's us, this whole congregation, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, builds itself up in love as each part does does its work. So, the goal is both that we grow as individuals, but also that we grow as a church, as a local congregation, as a group of people. And you know, you know you've know, you experienced in, in a home, in a lot of different places, you can have a lot of really good people together, and the, the group dynamics are not all that good. And we've all in settings where there's really good people and there's really good dynamics of them as as an as a you know as a corporate body. And so what we're talking about today is let's let's have let's have the atmosphere of growth in us as a corporate body. Let's be growing together becoming what Jesus has asked us to be. So maturity is both individual and corporate. We are growing as individuals in Christ, but we are also growing as a congregation, becoming different, maturing, becoming better. A well-functioning church is composed of mature people, yes, but even a church with mature people can go off the rails because the atmosphere or the structure or the intentionality or the corporate make- makeup or something is off. <coughs> Have you ever been in that kind of setting before? Where you've got, you know, really good people together, but something happens in when we all get together. And so we are responsible for both. <coughs> so we are growing together, you know, and, and maturing together as a congregation, <coughs> and A mature body of Christ doesn't mean that we're all mature. In fact, a mature body of Christ, I'm convinced, actually has to have babies around um, because we are called, as those who have walked with Christ for a long time, we are called to bring in babies. We're called to make babies, aren't we? What else do couples do? But they bring babies in. (coughs) So it takes mature believers to make mature believers, but there can be a breakdown in congregational dynamics. So that's what we're concentrating on. So we are in a plural passage. A lot of it, it's talking about us corporately as a body of Christ, who, who we are to be. Notice the plural references, equipping of the saints, the edification of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith, in order that we might no longer be infants, but we all might increase unto him. Out of him the whole body fitting together and joined together, and then the whole body makes increase under the edification of the whole body in love. So we are then, as a corporate body, we are in the process of maturing each other together. We as Americans, we as, a, as Americans are very individualistic. Um, one of the things that we've discovered in a lot of uh, international travel is how much when you particularly get into the east, how many have been in, in okay, thank you, have been in what we call the east, um, you know, eastern culture. Huh? Well, okay, <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about North Carolina. <laughs> I'm talking about Eastern culture. We, we um, in the West, what we call the West, okay, Europe, uh, United States, and and uh, other you know other uh, countries, we tend to be a we have a Western point of view or a, West, a Western culture, but we spend a lot of time in Eastern cultures. Okay, is that answer? Does that get closer? Yes or no? Okay, all right. Um, and they think of themselves, for instance, uh, those in China, or we've seen this in Turkey a lot, um, and pretty much, it, it, it's almost like when you go o- through the Bosporus and you get into into Asia, and you get into what we call a corporate uh, uh, mindset, and that is this. They see themselves not so much as individuals. Uh, I'm an individual, and I happen to be part of this Particular congregation, and I'm part of uh, the you know city of Tucson, and you know we have different alliances and groups that we're part of, but they see themselves as first of all they are a collection of people. Um, you know I'm Chinese, and I'm and I'm part of this particular clan, and I'm part of this particular family. And so, the individual is not the important part thing. The, the important thing is the, is the corporate, you know, it, they, they see themselves as part of a corporate thing. Whereas we see ourselves as individuals who happen to be part of a corporate thing. So, that's a totally different mindset. And I think that you know, think both are right. But we as Americans, it gets more difficult for us to think in terms of, of a corporate nature. I'm not just me. I am part of Desert Gardens Church, okay? And, um, and that's, a, that's kind of a stretch for us as Americans to, to begin that way. So I also want you to notice in this passage the references to growth so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, (coughs) joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. So this passage is both corporate talking about a group, a local congregation, but it's also talking about a local congregation becoming stronger, becoming bec- becoming something different. And we are not here just to enjoy each other's company, sorry, you know. We love each other and yeah, yeah. And a lot of people. How long have you been here? No, Collie, I, don't I don't know, about 100 years, something like that. Maybe 110, I don't know, but <laughs> a long time. and. And we are not just here because we like each other. We are actually here. God has called us to mature together. And it's easier to remain where we are than to seek to become mature and to be used in helping others mature in Christ. So it's very easy as a corporate body to be comfortable with who we are. But God is always challenging us to be more, isn't he? Not just as individuals, but as a body of Christ, we are called to become more than what we are. We're called to mature. We're called to growth. You know, we've we've all been watching the Olympics, I think. Most of you have been watching the Olympics? Yeah, we have been. And, you know, people don't get to the Olympics uh, by sitting around in their, you know, being a, a couch potato and eating bonbons. I mean, you know, it's hard, hard work. They're working all the time. They work years and years and years in order to be in the Olympics. And in the same kind of way, we as a congregation, <coughs> we're not to be couch potatoes. We are to be working together to mature us together. So the goal is spiritual maturity, Ephesians 4.13. Ephesians 4.13. We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, unity, <coughs> maturity involves unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So, it's, it's all in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are together, we are, <coughs> um, maturity happens as we are unified together. There's not divisions among us. And maturity involves us connecting in a greater measure to Jesus Christ. So our growth and maturity then is that we are getting to know him better. And we are helping each other to get to know Jesus better. That's why we're here. And infancy in verse 14, is when there's no doctrinal stability. Uh, verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming so what we are doing is we are trying to establish as a congregation doctrinal stability so that we really know you know about Jesus Christ and we we have we have orthodox theology, and we're strong in the faith, so that we're, not brought, you know, here and there by every wind teaching that comes along. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Actually, there's the the next one that that actually flips over. <laughs> but uh, but how easy it is, you know, and and you hear you you run across people every now and then who. They're just every wind of teaching comes along and they're, you know, they're after this person. And this person is now popular and so this you know, television personality or this radio, uh, somebody on the radio. And so we're after them. We, we believe what they believe and then somebody else comes along and so we're drawn all over the place. What Jesus wants us to be is stable in the faith so that we are not blown here and there by every wind of teaching that comes along. God says such are immature Christians they never seem to mind or come to settled convictions instead their opinions tend to be those of the last preacher they heard or the last book they read and they fall an easy prey to each new theological fad. so what we want is together we become so strong in Christ it's not that we're not listening to other things of course but we're not, we're, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a follower of this person or I'm a follower of that person or this particular theology or that particular theology, but rather we know what the Word of God says. So when those things come along, yes, it's put in, you know, we, 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 uh, we throw out, we spit out the bones and we take the meat and we add it to what we already know, but we're not tossed here and all, there and all over the place by every wind of teaching that comes along. And the main characteristic of spiritual immaturity that it talks about here is instability. We don't know what we believe. And if we don't know what we believe, then you know something comes along and it looks really good and it sounds really good and it promises really good things, but we've got a stability. And we say, now, wait a minute. What does the word of God say? You know, the said of the Brians that, they, they examine the word of God daily to see if it was really true. And Paul commends them that for that. Second Timothy 3.1-5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And I think, you know, I, I'm no great prophet, but I think we're heading toward the last days. And I think it's going to get ugly personally. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Listen to these character qualities and see if that doesn't describe today. There will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now that just looks a whole like what we have today, isn't it? Um, Because what we think, you know, is how we act, what our attitudes are, and what our worldview and so on is. And so the more that we are doctrinally stable, the more that we are stable in terms of character. Because God is perfect and we're being conformed and transformed into the image of God And so we are becoming more stable in character as well as in doctrine. Acts 20, being in verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians elders. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears." And this is Paul with the Ephesian elders in Miletus on the coast as he's traveling back to Jerusalem. So the point is this. It's pretty bad and it's going to get a lot worse. And the more that we as a nation depart from uh, having Christ as the center, and having a Judeo-Christian worldview, the more that we are going to see character qualities that, you know, <clears throat> that are just horrendous, and I think it's going to get worse. Personally, I hope it doesn't, but I think it's going to, because it certainly has in in my lifetime certainly gotten a whole lot worse. So that. So our goal then that corporately we become what Christ has called us to be as a body of Christ, Desert Gardens Church. How do we do that? Okay, let's look at the text again. Ephesians 4.11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So note first of all that the leadership in the church is meant to be plural, all right? This kind of, you know, the kind of structure where you have, you have one pastor or you have three staff members or something like that. Um, A church is meant to be plural because nobody knows everything. You know, so we're intended to be a plurality of leadership in the church. (coughs) And there are different officers in the church. There's the apostles. Those sent out by existing churches, prophets who have a special message out of God's Word, evangelists winning others to Christ, and then pastors and teachers maturing the body of Christ. So there is a, there is a place then for those who are to lead the church. Okay? But, as it says, um, this is again John Stott, and he says the New Testament concept of the pastor is not a person who jealously guards all ministry in his own hands and successfully squashes all lay initiatives, but of one who helps and encourages all God's people to discover, develop, and exercise their gifts. So my goal, that is pastor, is not to do the work of the ministry. Okay, try that one on. My goal is to prepare you for ministry. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of so that the body of Christ may be, be built up. Who's doing the work? You guys. You're the one called to do the work of the ministry. I am called, and, and others, you know, are called to prepare you so that you can do it, and do it better, and encourage you along the way, and so on. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, we've been watching real closely because we've been involved with a lot of people from Iran, but we've been watching this church movement in, in Iran, and as I've said before, Iran's the fastest growing church in the world, and there's there's no church buildings, there's no I mean, there's you know, there's no ecclesiastical structure, there's nothing. And yet it's the fastest growing church in the world. Why? Because of body ministry. And they, you know, and it's one person telling another person and helping another person to mature in Christ, and they turn around and help somebody else. And by the way, they don't wait until they're mature to start evangelizing. They start evangelizing the moment that they come to Christ. So it's the responsibility of the professional clergy, in quotation marks, to prepare God's people for ministry. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But you're the ones doing the ministry. Uh, John says, the New Testament envisages ministry not as the prerogative of a clerical elite, but as the privileged, privileged calling of all of the people of God. And I'm convinced, and I've seen this, you know, I've seen this happen before my very eyes, that as you get excited about ministry, and realize that God has placed in you, each one of you. You say, "Oh, not me. You oh, know, I'm not very gifted." Well, you just haven't discovered what it is yet. But God has given you, you know, talents and and so on to pre- help prepare all of us and to help all of us to grow into the image of Christ. And so, the more you discover that, discover who you are and how you fit in this body of Christ and begin to minister in that capacity then all of them are built up and the, the church itself becomes stronger. We're building this church not me. How do you like that? <laughs> because God always had in mind body ministry ministering one to another each other to grow. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And I would say that's true in this church. I I one of the I think characteristics of this church is that people are really involved. All of you are really involved in ministry. You know, I, I mean we couldn't we couldn't go 5 minutes without all of you you know, exist without all of you you know contributing what God has given you to do to help all of us to mature, encouraging us. Romans 4:19, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So there's what we see then is unity in the body, but then an incredible diversity of gifts and talents and so on in each one of you, And so the effectiveness of ministry is when you discover who you are and believe that Christ has given you something to share with the rest of us and you begin to flow in that. And we encourage each other to to, allow God to use us. And I'm convinced, and I've seen it so many times, that when, when we feel God moving through us individually and and ministering to somebody else, life comes. You ever notice that? We we get life as we transfer life to somebody else. Because the Holy Spirit was never meant that we just, you know, we receive the Holy Spirit. Boy, I got that now. Okay, I'm I'm full of the Holy Spirit. No, that's not fullness of the Holy Spirit. Fullness of the Holy Spirit comes when we begin to share the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to use us in the lives of other people. So the Holy Spirit moves through us. Yes, he's resident in us, but we feel his, uh, you know, we feel his movement as we share him using the gifts that God has given to us. As it says in speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So the body grows then through truth. Okay, it's not air; it's truth, and speaking that truth in love. Now, truth is very—you know—it's almost like it's a hard thing sometimes, isn't it? Um, you know, we say, "I," you know, "Okay, I got to share the truth with you," and and it's—you know—sometimes we can be harsh with truth, but love is that balance to it. But. Love by itself without truth is what uh, we've, we've called in the past sloppy agape. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it, yeah, you're a great person, aren't you wonderful, and so on. Well, now, wait a minute. Maybe you're not a great person. Maybe you need a, a word of exhortation. Maybe there's something wrong in your life. So we need that truth, the truth of God's word applied in love. Really considering the, uh, the other person. Really intensely loving and sacrificing our love for other people. That's how we get. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And all the spiritual gifts, we're going to talk about those in a moment, all the spiritual gifts are given for the edification of the body of Christ. Not so that you can be exalted or so that you can you know, in, enjoy having those spiritual gifts and so on, but they are given to build each other up for the common good. Love can break the hardest of hearts so that faith can grow. I love that statement. Love can break the hardest of hearts so that faith, become, faith may grow. Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. So it takes both of those together. But then we talk about spiritual gifts. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on spiritual gifts uh, because, you know, that's not our intention here this morning. But I think it's right to talk about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice that. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits. <coughs> to another, speaking in different kinds of language, or, or speaking in tongues. And to still other, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So God determines, and he gives spiritual gifts in the body of Christ so that you can use those for the common good. Romans 12:6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Sorry. So a spiritual gift then is a gift that's given by the Holy Spirit to you individually to be able to share with the congregation and to build up the body of Christ, um, there are, you know, twenty gifts enumerated in Scripture in in the different gift lists, uh, in different places. Uh, it's talked about these spiritual gifts, and so it's important for you and I. You know, I think, to me, it really liberated me when I realized what the spiritual gifts were that God had given to me so that I'm not trying to be all things to all people, that I can do best what God has given me to do. All gifts are important, all gifts are necessary, and all are given by God for the common good. So I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of uh, talking about what these gifts are and everything, but there are a couple of resources that um, I have listed, I actually have it on your, uh, yeah, at the bottom of the uh, sermon outline. And one of them is uh, is for spiritual gifts. Another is a organization called Strength Finders where you can find a, your, your particular strengths. And if you haven't done either one of those, you can find them on these websites, okay? Uh, and I would encourage you, if you've never done that, to... Seek the Lord for what are my spiritual gifts? What has God given to me? Um, it really helped me when I discovered my spiritual gift is teaching. And so, you know, I, I, go, I always go back to this, if it is teaching, let him teach. Okay, well, I need to be teaching because that's what God has called me to do. But God didn't call all of us to teach. You know, that'd be kind of wasted of, <laughs> waste talent. You know, God has called each one of you with something and maybe multiple things that God has given to you individually and uniquely to be able to build the body of Christ. You know, when when I had uh, my open heart surgery, and I just really appreciated, there were, you know, when you have some kind of physical thing, you find out who the mercy people are. (laughs) <laughs> you ever seen that, you know? And and all of a sudden, these people that maybe you didn't even know very well, all of a sudden they're coming around you, praying for you, coming over to bring you food, you know, and trying to help you out. You discover all the mercy people. And I discovered a whole bunch of mercy people by having ho- open heart surgery. Helps, you know. Um and th- these are just a couple of the gifts. Uh, I have one friend who he is a mechanical genius. I mean, he just Anything mechanical, you give it to him, he can figure it out eventually. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, he doesn't always know, but, he, but he's, you know, he's, he's looking online and, you know, he, he's really good with it. So, we were trying to take our motor home up to into the White Mountains. And, um, and I went into it, it was about a week before we were to leave. And I went into the coach and hit the light switch and it didn't work. <laughs> And so I went down, because you have to turn it, you know, a, a master switch on. Went down there, turned the master switch on, didn't work. Well, okay, we had about a, you know, I actually, I think it was about three or four days before we're going to go, and this thing's not working. You know, nothing in the car is working. So I, you know, I did what I always do. I called Steve. <laughs> I said, Steve, what's going on? And he said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> well, not 10 minutes, an hour. It took cause he doesn't live real near me. Um, I said, no, let's, let's do it in the morning. So the next morning he comes, and we at least together figured out he couldn't fix it, but at least he could figure out how, you know, the steps that I needed to take. And we did get it fixed. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, that, you know, somebody, maybe you're really good at fixing stuff, well, great. You can fix stuff, not just in this congregation, but God can call you to fix all kinds of things for all kinds of different people. Uh, you know, some have, for example, a, li- a gift of leadership. When I was, um, <laughs> you know, as a dad and helping my kids to grow up, and I missed something. I missed a relationship in my son. Um, and I did, just didn't see it. And he, he was a junior in high school, and he was going to Desert Christian. And the teachers would get together, uh, you know, in the junior year and they would send one young person to a leadership conference in Flagstaff. No, no, this was the one in Flagstaff, that was a junior year. And so Matt, they, they picked Matt, you know, and Matt went up to this leadership conference in Flagstaff and he came back just really enthusiastic. Well, the next year, the senior year, they um, again chose him for a national, leadership conference in Washington, D.C. And he, he went to that, it was a whole, like a week-long thing of just, you know, leaders from all over the nation come together and he came back and he was so fired up. And he said, I have finally found people just like me. He said, I've never seen it before. They, they're people who think like me, they're just like me. They were leaders from all over the nation. Well, he launched, that launched him into a whole, you know, a whole career of leadership in business. Now, I'm not trying to say that you have a, lead, you know, a gift in leadership, but what I'm saying is, if you will discover uniquely who God has called you to be and then run with it. It's not that you don't, you know, you, you stop working, and you're, you know, that, that's all you do, but you, you take what God has given to you uniquely and you minister to the body and you find out who you are. So just as a recap, all of us together are in the process of helping each other to grow into the image of Jesus Christ, the likeness and image of Christ. And God has given uniquely to each of us unique gifts and abilities and talents and so on that he wants you to discover and then use for the common good. So I would encourage you, find out you know, ask your wife or husband or a good friend or something, you know, what do you see in me? What are, what, are, you know, what are the talents that I have that I can share with others? And all of us doing that then, we all begin to minister to each other and then the body of Christ is built up and becomes stronger. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will help each one of us in this congregation this morning to discover who we are And instead of looking at who we aren't and what we don't have, that you will help us to see clearly from you what we do have. And help us to take those strengths and those talents and those spiritual gifts and those um, things that you've given to us. Help us to take all of those things and minister one to another. And Lord, I'm convinced that as we do that, we grow individually and we grow as a corporate body. So we're praying that you grow this church not in numbers but you grow us in terms of body ministry. We pray that in Jesus name. Amen.
0: search. Search within us for this, this. What is it that the gifts that you have given each one of us? Let us find those. Let us help use those to further our, our service to you. Lord, uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God, be with
2: us till we be.